can't hear it. It's the theme song is ending right now, so we're Hello. in the thing. You're going. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to If It's Gay We Play, the podcast where everyone is hungover and the points don't matter. Yeah. My name is Kai Monahan. My pronouns are they then theirs. I am actually not hungover. My name is Hannah. You said your full name. <laughs> Did I? Oh, yeah. that's fine. Okay. I have a blog. Yeah, you, <laughs> you do. Can find me. Um, my name is Hannah. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm very hungover. I woke up this morning. <laughs> And I thought I wasn't that hungover. I was wrong. And I'm sorry you're hungover. Thanks, thanks, Aaron. I'm, I'm producer Aaron, and uh, I'm pronouns? also hung. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm also very hungover. I'm about to. I'm mixing my drink mistake in the back. Yeah. Oh, it's a real doozy this week, folks. Yeah, Can't I wait was for you to. Very hear surprised this and blatantly upset. However, I do. <laughs> Want to participate? I, in surprise the, is not the word I would use. I was no. I mean, I turn. I, he he used the word. I'll I'll let him talk yeah, about it in the sure. future. But oh no, you're just pouring it directly into the bottle. Oh boy, of using a glass. I I want to I want to talk okay. a little bit about my week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want to say I'm not completely removed from the substance train. I am on muscle relaxers that were prescribed to me because I did give myself whiplash by uh, adjusting my hair in a mirror. Um, I see. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wasn't aware that that's what happened. I, I, no, that it, I I didn't do anything like a like I didn't like lean down and then jerk my head back yeah. really quickly. I just leaned in slightly to a mirror and just pushed my hair back and then it threw out your and neck. then my you hear this sickening crunch Yikes. and then I can't move anything on the right side of my neck yeah. or like my right arm and I was like, well, this is how my day is gonna go. I guess yeah, that's a big bummer. <laughs> it's been a big bummer, but you know, back to podcasting. Back to podcasting. Uh, our first segment, I believe, is going to be Aaron's drink mistake. Yeah, Aaron's beverage mistake. You can't get too far into his beverage mistake before. It's a real doozy, this one, folks. Um, who's, who's Mikey going to go to, bud? Here it comes, Aaron, to talk about his beverage mistake. Hi, um, I'm Aaron. Um, and my beverage mistake of the week, because I'm also very hungover and wasn't, <laughs> wasn't dropped off at my home. Until about 3.15 a.m. Uh-huh. Um, but also worked out yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, my beverage mistake is Power Nog. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is a yeah. beverage yeah. made of uh, muscle milk or, you know, substitute your own protein drink and a healthy dosing of rum. <laughs> He walked in and he said, what do you normally put in eggnog? So I was expecting... And I said, rum, because this is true. So I thought he just brought some shitty eggnog. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then he was going to put rum in it, and then he pulls a bottle of muscle milk out of his bag and no, puts no, no. it what on the table. No, no, no. What happened was he put... Yeah, put it on the computer, and I turn and look, and I'm like, that's not eggnog. Well, I thought maybe he was going to separately... That's unknown. what I suspected He's taking his well. first sips. Is it disgusting? Depends on how you feel about just regular muscle milk. Bad. And bad. Then yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, also... I think it tastes quite nice. Okay, well, good. Right. Good, 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 good. With the rum and everything? Yeah. No. Second, second, second sip, second not sip. as good. Less good. Not as good. So, um, You've heard it here first, folks. Anyway, Power Nog power is where Nog you just open up a bottle of trends. muscle milk, and you Sweet pour some rum in it, and then you shake it up. Uh, use a glass. 
Don't use a glass. You can't. That's illegal. Uh, I actually just didn't want you two to have to look. I don't have to clean at, at it. At it, sort of Directly, separating. Yeah, I think it might be a Medusa. Yeah. The, the rum definitely won't, like, blend with the muscle milk. Like, if you oh, poured no. it into a glass, it would definitely sort of yeah. look all viscous and separated. Ugh. Um. So, yeah, anyway, that's Aaron's beverage mistakes. Oh, the boy. challenge continues. Um, so, Hannah. Zero out of time would not recommend this one. <laughs> So far, the best one has been last week when he just drank a PBR, like... But just breathed it into your face. Yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend if you're at a concert and you can get a tall boy for $5. See, PBR just tastes like it's got some sort of metal in it, like yeah. some sort of aluminum or tin. No, it tastes like the can. And it, yeah, and it, and it gives me a headache real bad. It's like it's like when I drink wine. Can't do wine. Can't, can't do, PBR do PBR anymore. I'm kind of an old woman now, I guess, or I am an old grandpa because I only drink whiskey. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, PBR 10 out of 10 would recommend if you are throwing a party and need to buy a 30 rack mm-hmm. or, um, you know, you're at a concert and there's a top boy for $5. What's the beer that they drink all the time in the L word? Uh, Dos Equis appears to be the only beer that lesbians were allowed to drink. I had a dream last night that we brought home two 30 racks of Dos Equis for like an L word themed party that we were having mm-hmm. and... I mean, I we would make have that to. happen. I we would have to. I fucking hate Dos Equis, but we should have an L word party for yeah, sure. Yeah, I want to. So I just wanted to bring that up live yeah. on air. So we can, they drink Dos Equis, you, and then I don't remember, but there is a type of vodka that they drink. The, yes, like, I don't remember there's either. There's like three alcohol Listeners, brands that's if actually you watch the L word, please get show. back to us about what vodka. It might have been Sky or Smirnoff, no, I but know. I can't remember. We'll look um, it up. Um, yeah. Fuck, I had further things to say about the L word party idea. If you know our address, come over. <laughs> you can We're going to have an L word party. Whenever, whenever you do. Everybody dresses as characters. We've yeah. got Don Dembo and her lover, Cindy. Yes, I want us to be Don Denbo and her lover, Cindy, so badly, uh-huh. more than anything. Who is Don Denbo and who is her lover, Cindy? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I'm lover, Cindy. Yeah, I think you're her lover, Cindy. I think you're Don Denbo. You have I'm... a more, you have a more um, intimidating <laughs> face. Okay. And Cindy has a less intimidating face, and Don Denbo looks intimidating. Does she? Yes. Okay. I. Do you remember what Don Denbo looks like? Vaguely, I'm gonna look her up on my phone. Hold on. Pause for Don Denbo. No, no, no. It's not. It's not a real pause. I just. Uh, I'm googling it on my computer. Well, it's, so you're not just turning around. I'm just Don Denbo. This is this is Don Denbo. I don't think she looks intimidating so much as she does stoned. Well, no, that's she's just happy in that picture because she's not acting in this Well, one. and her bangs are eating her whole entire face. Well, yes, but look how angry she looks in this one. See, she looks very intimidating. I'm I scared I don't think of her. she looks intimidating. That's, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Well, fine. Do you want to st- be her lover, Cindy? No, I still want to be Don Dembo. Okay. I just don't think her face is that intimidating. Right. Are you saying okay. I have an intimidating face? Yes. Oh, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, <laughs> Anna, I thought you knew. I, I guess. Intimidatingly beautiful? I guess. I guess. We were at, so the uh, uh, holiday party for the coffee shop where I work it was last night. It was fun. Excuse me. Which is why I'm uh, so hungover today. And uh, there were a lot of shots taken. I watched. Uh, a lot of my boss going, if you're a part of this family, you're going to take this shot. A lot of her boss offering me drinks when I am not allowed to have any drinks. Yeah. Well, she's just trying to be hospitable. No, it was very like, sweet of her. Um, and she was very drunk, so she, she kept forgetting. Um, and uh, the boss's or the owner's wife's mom was there. This very old woman with dementia, 
And uh, I, uh, she was very nice, but I got stuck talking to her for like 10 minutes because it's very hard to leave a conversation with a person with dementia because it's sort of just a constant circle of topics. And um, we, uh, she kept telling me that I was very beautiful and that all the boys were probably after me and all the men would be coming after me. And then I had to That's take scary. care of myself. That's a frightening thought of all yeah. the men coming after you. I know. I just sort of envisioned myself like running down the yeah. street and just these men Legion. being like. Like, men. like that, like that uh, uh, scene from the trailer of, of what is that called? Mm. White God, the, mm. the dog movie. I don't know what you're talking about. What? Look, look up that, that Where the trailer. dogs are all on the island? No, the dogs, like it's. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna come full suit mic because I've gotten yelled at by many of our frequent listeners. Yeah, well, because we I'm gotta gonna, get a third mic. I'm gonna yeah. buy a third mic for myself for Christmas. Um, happy, happy Christmas, Aaron. Thank you. Happy Christmas, Kai. Um, God bless us, everyone. There's this movie called White God about uh, like mistreated dogs rising up. Oh, okay. Um, against like, uh, yes, it is. I'm I, it's supposed to be really good. I've never seen it. Anyway, there's this scene where no, the kid is riding on his bike trying to outrun like this massive tidal wave of Whoa. dogs that are all gone feral. This Let's will see. give you some yes. sort of idea. Oh, yeah. Of what that image is like. Yeah, um, that's basically that was what a very situation cool is. and salient reference to a really popular piece of media <laughs> that I'm sure most of our listener base uh, will get instantly. I'm sure Charles. one person. Yeah, yeah fucking Charles, Charles will, will probably get it. Hi, Charles, the biggest nerd lord, will probably get it. I just got like really offended on Charles's behalf for no reason. As though Charles is not a nerd lord. Listen, As we're though all nerd lords. You are not here. a nerd lord. Get out of my face. I'm not in your face. I'm across the table. Whatever. Okay. What game are you playing this <laughs> Guys, week? Please don't fight. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, outrunning a horde of men as I'm running down the street, and they're like, you "Are you sure you're a lesbian?" If you ever start making bedroom pop, can that be? Can that be a lyric? Yes. Yes. So, so did you miss? Did you not hear my question? No, I heard your question. Oh, I just was just finishing my talk. thought okay. because Aaron interrupted my thought sure, sure, with sure, his sure, extremely sure, sure, sure. cool and um, you sound a little bit angry, you popular, a little bit popular culture reference. I was, I was interested to know. I might watch. No, that I was film. too. I. It sounds great. Um, what am I playing this week? Yep. Uh, I've mostly been playing a Spyro. I haven't played that many games this week, but Spyro. And Pokemon. I've been playing Pokemon before I go to bed most nights. Uh, oh, God bless you. Um, I tried to play some Pokemon last night before I fell asleep, but it kept giving me the, the like, throwing the ball kept giving me the spins. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I had to stop. That's terrible. It was, no, Pokemon was a little nauseating yeah. last night. It's like, oh, I can't do this. I got to go to sleep. Um, I've also been playing a lot of Pokemon Go. I, pl- I uh, uh, covered a couple shifts at... Um, the tattoo shop where I work sometimes this week. And uh, there's a Pokemon gym right out front. So I uh, spent most of my boring day on Friday um, conquering and defending that gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just really catching them all is what I'm I'm up to this week. Sure, 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 sure. I like that. Well, I don't know if I like that character. That's not a character. It's, it's just, not always just, a character. You just decided that you're saying sure. Sure, 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 I, sure a lot. That was, those were just the things that came out of my mouth. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, Kai, what are you playing this week? I am playing, I'm still playing 
Vampire, uh, colon, The Masquerade, colon, Bloodlines, colon, colon. I still haven't finished it yet, but I'm mostly, I have actually had very little patience for that right now. Um, And I've been playing a lot of uh, Ring of Elysium by myself, actually, because um, my boys haven't been online as much recently, which is great because they have lives going for them. But, uh, you know, I've been stuck at home for the past couple of days, so I've been playing some some good old uh, shooters and um, I don't know. I'm just I'm shooting a lot of folks. I'm winning a lot of games. I feel very powerful. I feel very affirmed in my masculinity. I see. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I, I feel. Thank you. I feel like a uh, teen a teen boy. Yeah. A teen boy again. Mm-hmm. I'm not yelling slurs at anyone. What? I'm not saying anything to anyone. Oh, that's in good. Fact. Not not doing any teabagging. Is that still a thing that kids do? Teabagging. Teabagging. Uh, yeah, it's happened a couple times in Battlefield mm. to me. Okay, okay. Cool. I I thought we were done with that. No. <laughs> I thought we finished. As long as boys are the way that they are, uh, <laughs> we're not going to be done with that. That's that's fair. Well, well anyway, that's going, that's going pretty well for me. Uh, I, I don't know if people understand that trans friend means that I am trans and your friend. I doubt that very much, homie. I don't. I, I really want them to understand that I'm trans and that I want to be their friend, but I feel like they might be maybe reading it differently than I am. Yeah, I mean... Like trans friend. No, I think they probably just read trans friend. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. They'd probably just be like, oh, a friend to trans people. Oh, like, like I'm an ally of the trans. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I am the friend of the trans. I'll take it, honestly. Yeah. Um, you can find me and play with me if you're if you're on that game. By but the, way. the yeah, the the notion that I want to be your friend is probably not something that they're. I could I could probably it. change it to like trans and want to be friends. I mean, you could. <laughs> Should it's I? Certainly, something you could do. No. I need to think more about what I want my name to be. I'll keep you all updated. So. You can continue not playing uh, Ring of Elysium with me. Um, Hannah. Yes, Kai. Uh, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? I think I did this a little bit out of order. What's That's the gayest fine. thing you've done this week? We just, we switch them around. That's fine. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I've just been at work all week. Um, That's kind of gay. Yeah, I don't feel like I've done anything like especially homosexual at work. Um, I did see... On Instagram, a picture of Kate Blanchett in Shibari bondage this morning, and sent it to our queer yeah. Instagram group chat. Well, because it's a very good image. No, it is. I'm not denying that. Where? Uh, what is it from? I have no idea. I just saw it on someone's Instagram story. It's. It, I saw the like, in the corner, you can see the vague like, something magazine or something. I have oh. no idea though. But I just saw it on someone I follow's Instagram story. Huh. Um, and I was like, wow, that's a good image. Um, it is. Uh, that can't be the gayest thing I've done this week, though. Yeah, I don't know. I was just sort of regular gay. Like, I don't, nothing really pops. Just, like, average gay? Yeah, nothing really pops out to me as, like, wow, I did that thing, and it was so especially homosexual. Putting um, on every costume piece you could for the pictures last no, night? No, that's... No. Like, a brunch with a friend on Monday, but that's, like, always my answer. That is always your answer. That's true. Because I get a lot of brunch. You do. I ended up with somehow ended up with forty five dollars in my checking account, which I feel like is pretty probably gay. all the brunch. It's, it might be all the brunch, um, 
Uh, With that $45, I just want to add, she is going to brunch again today. Okay, first of all, I got a paycheck. And second of all... Did you cash it? uh, No, because it's Sunday, so I can't deposit it yet. I mean, I'll deposit it. It won't go into tomorrow. Second of all, I have a bunch of cash now because of the Oh, the tips, the tips, right, right. The tips, yeah, the tips. So if I'm spending cash, it's not coming out of my bank account. That's true. Um, That is how money works. The tips, you see. I see. Uh, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? Maybe that'll prompt me. I was just thinking about that, and I think the gayest thing that I've done this week was um, create a uh, care package Hanukkah present for my friend who is currently out of the state, who will be back in the state eventually, but she's uh, she's in Florida right now. Um, guest guest of the show, Dory. Um, the the present arrived while Hanukkah was still happening, which is something that I so appreciate about Hanukkah as a holiday is that it happens for more than one day because were I to send somebody a Christmas present that I wanted to arrive during the holiday, I would have to be very specific about when I shipped it and, like, shot for right. it. Well, also, no deliveries happen on Christmas. Well, yes, so I would have to, like, make it deliver on the 24th or something. I don't know. Um, or literally any time before the 25th and just tell them that time. I'm just saying what I, well, yes, I'm just saying like, it's very, it's very, it's very nice that, that I'm able to send a gift and it can arrive on the holiday. I love that. Well, yeah, it arrives when the holiday is in progress. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was probably the gayest thing I'd done this week because I found like a special little Hanukkah card and I wrote way too much in it and filled it up entirely. Um, and I just, I just, I just love my friends so much, and I want them to have all the nice stones and bath salts and candles and books that I can offer them. It's very good. Thank you. I forget what else I gave her, but I think it was some other stuff. It was some other stuff, I think. Um, I hung out with my cat a lot. Mm, yeah, I hung out with Tori a lot too. Yeah, she's good. She's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't. I don't. I really don't have an answer this week for what the gayest thing I. That's I did fine. Was. Um. Well, I have a question for Aaron while I'm thinking about it. Uh-huh. <gasps> Did you ever find those uh, vampires in Red Dead Redemption 2? Not yet. How big is the world? It's massive. It's absolutely massive. It, it takes like a... To go from one corner of the map to the other would probably take about 30 minutes. Like, galloping wow. on your horse. So, those vampires are going to be pretty hard to find, right? So, also, yeah, and also I've been quite quite busy this week so i haven't really had the um red dead 2 has not been at the top of my list of things i to see do. <laughs> that's perfectly all right i was just curious because i know you talked about it a couple weeks ago and i wanted a quick follow-up in regards to that to but the vampire. aaron also showed us a very good uh, trailer for a video game that i keep thinking is called oceans it's not it's called but the it's outer not worlds oceans whatsoever it's definitely a oceans is not in the title or not even sure that there are all. any oceans in the I game. I don't think there are any oceans in the game whatsoever, but it feels like it's called Oceans to it's me. It's definitely not. It's called The Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Uh, and it looks really, really good. Uh, it's by the original Fallout people and the people who did New Vegas. Um, by which, by the original Fallout people, I mean people working on it developed Fallout 1. Um, and then the team who didn't, Obsidian, the team who did New Vegas. I assume it's Fallout 1 and 2 because they're the same people. Sure. Um, and, uh, it's sort it's like first person, I guess there's choices. It's, it's sort of like Mass Effect Fallout Borderlands is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, it looks very good. It's in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got kind of a Borderlands style aesthetic. You should watch the trailer. I think yeah. it's like three minutes long. It's pretty short. Yeah. It's pretty good. Go do it now. Yeah, it's pretty good. We'll um, wait. Yeah, we, 
We will. We can just put ourselves can, on hold for You can pause minutes. us at any uh-huh. time. Most definitely. And go watch any trailer you want and then come back. But anyway, I'm very excited about that game because it's been a hot minute since I've had... Um, oh, I'm really hoping that it's not open world. Uh-huh. I, it probably will be. I know. I'm just very tired of open world games. And I don't necessarily mean... I feel like open world was a thing that was introduced like when, when Skyrim came out in like 2000. 11 or whatever i mean like it, it became more culturally salient like very popular for games to be doing i know yeah, that's not that what wasn't it was like the first open world no, game but by it, far it, yeah but it made it like more popular after to do. skyrim suddenly everybody every wanted game to had make to an be open, open world, world. and i feel like i'm just getting really tired of the fact that all games have pretty much all of the same qualities to them if that makes sense because there's like um god of war and it's kind of open world, and it's got more, like, broad, less God of War-specific options that you can do with it. Um, and Assassin's Creed has more, like, options that you can do with it that are broader than just the Assassin's Creed-style game. Like, it feels like all of these are the same game with just different skins put on them, if that makes sense. I, well, with those two specific examples, I don't agree, because I've played, I mean, I haven't played very much God of War. I've only played a couple of hours, but it, it's not open world. It feels very... Like, there's levels, and you are sort of, like, railroaded to where you can go within the level. But it's still more open world than previous God of War games. I guess, but I would not describe it as open world at all. You also have not played previous God of War games. No, but it's, it's, when you're walking along a path, you can only walk along that path. That's fair. Like, it doesn't let you stray off Regardless, I'll think of a different example, but it feels like all of these, all of these games are, like, the exact same game with just yeah, a different everybody's story just com- well everybody's skin. just coming out i don't know i still don't agree i don't think they're the exact same game i think their only like uniting element is that they are big open world games which have a lot of the same things that you can do in them right well, yeah, uh but- breath of the wild and Assassin's creed odyssey both have like um you can collect ingredients to do things you have to like get different armors for stuff you have a horse that you have to ride places there's quests that you have to do that are like side quests on their story yeah but that's like every fantasy rpg yeah i it didn't used to be though i don't because like every zelda game is what you just described like every zelda game has been ride your horse or your boat or whatever it is in the bird or whatever in uh skyward sword ride your mount around uh do side quests collect ingredients um the only different i mean there's a lot of different things about breath of the wild but in previous zelda games you don't get like different armors um or you kind of do you get different sets of armor to do specific things like in twilight princess you have to get i guess you usually do get specific armors actually now that i think about it because you have to get like the water armor to go to the water temple and stuff um and like twilight princess had open world element like zelda games have always been known for having the element of you get to ride your horse around like that really changed with Ocarina of Time, like introduced the idea of like you get a mount and you ride it around to these different places in the world and you get to do all these things. Like if we want to trace that back farther, like Ocarina of Time really changed the game on that. And I feel like that's been fantasy RPGs for a while. But not all fantasy RPGs. I, I'm not making the argument that like Zelda's not Zelda anymore. I'm making the argument that I feel like I'm getting really tired of playing the same game over and over again mm-hmm. because they all have the same elements to them mm-hmm. i feel like are, are you understanding what i mean by that no i i understand what you mean i just don't i mean i i mean i obviously can't disagree that like you're getting tired of playing them i just don't necessarily agree that they all feel like the same game is what i'm saying i understand what you mean i just don't agree okay i mean it's just i feel like 
you 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 are completing different stories and like different missions for these different games, but you use the same tool set for them, like the same knowledge base. Yeah, sure. And I'm just getting frustrated with that, and I want some sort of innovation in the games industry because it feels like every single game is following the same uh, like code for what people are looking for in games right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm just tired of this generation of of game of game making. No, that's totally fair. I just I guess my argument is I feel like that's been going on for a lot longer. Like when I first played Skyrim, I was like, this feels like every fantasy game before it. I don't understand what's so groundbreaking about this game. Like I my I guess my argument is I feel like fantasy RPGs have all been roughly the same for a long time. Um, See, I would be inclined to disagree with that because I found that like uh, Baldur's Gate is very different than other fantasy well, RPGs. Well, yeah, like, it's very there's there used to be like a myriad of different types of fantasy RPGs that you could do, and I still would argue that they are. But like Baldur's Gate is a different kind of thing, right? Like it's a top down point and click game, which like Divinity: Original Sin is also that. Like mm-hmm. there's there are still those games. Yes, they do still exist, but, but like, they're more open world Sky- than they yeah. used to be. I don't see again. I don't necessarily agree. Baldur's. It's more open more than Baldur's Gate. Like Baldur's Gate, I think is a, in a different uh, example. I would say I would actually classify Baldur's Gate as open world because you do, I mean, as open world as they were capable of doing back then. It's it is a lot like a Zelda because you have a certain number of zones you can go to, but you can freely move throughout those zones and discover side quests and random dungeons and random encounters. And, mm-hmm. All that good stuff. Um, the difference with Baldur's Gate that this is one thing that annoys me is that there's an, uh, in Baldur's Gate there's no wasted space. Every map that you're going to go to, every area is going to have something going on, um, where something new and interesting, like a, a, a several individualized encounters or quests, um, whereas things like uh, what is that game where you kill the animals? Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> They're not animals. They're robot animals. I was like, yeah. uh, Monster Hunter World? Um, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn, for me, had a really cool combat system and a promising story at the outset, and then just like fell into the worst tropes of an open-world game with like tons of unnecessary collectibles and that I hate. Yeah. I absolutely hate collectibles in open-world games. Um, tons of unnecessary collectibles that, like, if you collected them all, you got a cool thing. And I'm like, I don't care, though. And it was poorly written, and then the side quests were just copies and pastes of one another, and, um, most, most of the content that they were claiming, the hours of content, most of that was, was collectibles. Was collectibles or just challenges. I really can't stand challenges or collectibles. Yeah. I think it's a, a cop-out for making, like, actually cool um, engaging content for your open world game. I don't disagree with that. That might be one of my biggest complaints about mm-hmm. open world game. Plus, it just kind of feels tedious with all the uh, little like homework quests that you get. It feels mm-hmm. like when I was in like elementary school, <laughs> and they would send me home with like all of this spelling homework that I had to do. That was just basically busy work to say that they gave me homework, uh, which is like forcing hours into a game. Like I, yeah. I, I, See, I, what I, what yeah. I like about. Uh, games that are older and more railroaded, like Vampire the Masquerade, um, which I guess is kind of open world because you're not fully railroaded and you're exploring like four different locations in LA, right? But 
they're still the the side quests actually it's kind of like oblivion where the side quests are actually interesting and engaging and i think aaron makes a good point about there yeah. being things and all i of think the you areas just have a problem with games that don't have engaging side quests well no i have a problem with games that have too many side quests because i would argue that the side quests in dragon age inquisition are on average interesting and then, like a lot Skyrim of them are, super are kind of interesting, and I think and, like, probably in uh, Breath of the Wild are kind of interesting. I think most of the side quests in Breath of the Wild are very interesting. Like some of them are bullshit, and I just don't do them. Well, I also like, just don't like Zelda. It's, I'm, this is tedious, and I'm not doing it, right? Which I have never understood, but it makes a little bit of sense because I th- what you're describing, a lot of games again since Ocarina of Time have followed the Zelda model, where it's at least semi open world, but you go to an area and you can freely explore within that. Sure, area. sure, sure. Which is something that I appreciate and respect about games, I guess, currently. I but think like, that it's impressive that I'm just Red Dead Redemption like, has 30 minutes yeah. worth of space in it. But like, and I appreciate that it looks beautiful, but I, I'm disencouraged from playing it because it just feels like busy work to me. See, that's so interesting to me because like games are all busy work. Like the thing that needs to keep you engaged in a game partially is of course visuals and partially is like how engaged are you in the world? So like, I don't. Like, the reason I thought Skyrim was boring and tedious is because I wasn't at all. And, like, why I can't play Elder Scrolls games is I just can't get engaged in the world. I just don't care. Um, And I feel like all Elder Scrolls games, again, are essentially the same. Like, I've played a little bit of Oblivion, and it feels like Skyrim with worse graphics. Like, you're just exploring, and shit happens in this world I don't care about. Um, Well, see, what I like about games like Oblivion is that they tell... A, a cohesive story that like makes sense and connects to each other, right? Right. So even do a all lot the of side games. quests t- tell like very very engaging stories. That's what I'm enjoying about Vampire the Masquerade is that it feels more narratively driven and more character driven than like look at this cool and beautiful location that you can go to or pick up all of these items and you'll get this this thing or like if you do all the side quests you'll get 100% completion and this bonus or whatever. Games like Borderlands and Dragon Age Inquisition and Horizon Zero Dawn and Monster Hunter World, which is arguably a smaller game, and yeah, all uh, world... Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Red Dead Redemption 2 and all of these games that have come out semi-recently, um, I get so stressed out by and I just can't play for longer than like maybe 10 or 15 hours. You just don't, not like places where you have to travel to areas? No, I don't like what is called open world games now. And having played Borderlands 2 a number of times, there's, to me, there's a pretty manageable number of side quests. Like, you only, usually only get, like, ten side quests at a time, tops. And then you do those, and then there's nothing else to do. And it's like Mass Effect. You get a bunch of side quests at once. And you love Mass Effect. And that stresses me out, too, in Mass Effect. It's, it just sounds like video games stress you out. No, because Vampire the Masquerade does not stress me out because it has a very manageable number of side quests. And games that are, like very railroaded like um fucking graphic novels and stuff those don't stress me out but these are games that have that are not the same game i'll agree to that but they have so many elements in common that the games feel similar enough and i don't think they have that many elements in common i really don't like yes all video games have side quests but like that's something that's happened for a long time well yeah i'm not arguing against side quests i just don't i don't understand what a manageable number of side quests is like i feel like like, to me, like, Borderlands 2 has a very manageable number of side quests. You never get that many at once. And sometimes you'll get 
quests that like you just can't do right now, so it's not a problem for you right now. Like they're beyond your level, and you'll you'll do them later. Like it just feels like so much clutter to just have in your in your quest menu, and I just have to like go through them one by one. It just it again. It just sounds like most games are that way. Like yeah, and I, I and get stressed been, out by most games, and they have been for a long time. I think like, since 2010, I would probably say. Well, I again, I'm saying that like since Ocarina, like. A lot of Zelda games are that way, and I understand you don't like Zelda, but like, like since Ocarina of Time, most games have borrowed elements from that. Yeah, for, and I and don't Ocarina like that. of Time came out more than twenty years ago. Pokemon is extremely railroaded, and all Pokemon games are literally exactly the same, and yet you still like Pokemon. But there's no side quests in Pokemon, right? But but they're all literally exactly the same. And I'm not. Because all those games are in the same series. I understand that they're all basically the same game. I like that same game. Where there to be another, like, another... There is another Vampire the Masquerade, by the way. Uh, Where there to be another one, which there is, and it, it had a very similar play style, I, and it was, like, the same game, I would play that again. I enjoy that game a lot. I just don't... I don't understand what you like about video games. Well, I like the stories about video games. I, I like the characters and the relationships in video games. One of my favorite things about Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines right now is the fact that it feels like I'm reading a really interesting novel while also making all of the choices for the character. Something that I really like about tabletop RPGs is the uh, role-playing aspect of them, Totally, right? yeah. And I love the role-playing aspect of, of video games, but it takes away from the role-playing for me when I have to do what feels like the stuff that I have to do in my daily life. Like, every day I have a list of chores and things that I have to do. Like, oh, I have to uh, take out the trash, I have to do the podcast, I have to wash the dishes, I have to do at least two hours of work for my job, I have to um, massage this person, then I have to, like, and to break it down into the minute level, like, I have to brush my teeth, I have to floss my teeth, I have to wash my face, I have to put on deodorant. Like, those lists of things, those are, like, side quests to, like, my main quest or whatever, which is being a professor I don't know like some something uh but when you see that in like a video game that feels less like role-playing to me and more like obnoxious like just replicating my daily annoying things that I don't want to have to do I also brought another question to the table today I got kind of caught up in that um I'm curious about toxic masculinity in relation to online gameplay because something that I've seen very consistently throughout my life in playing online games is a lot of uh, slurs being thrown, a lot of anger just directed at people in general, um, a lot of uh, sexist comments towards people that they perceive to be effeminate or female in video games, and I don't know who they is necessarily. Um, and I guess I'm just curious if like online video games encourage or reinforce toxic masculine tendencies or whether they just allow them to be more widespread like i think it's probably a little bit of both because i feel like especially online competitive games i'm thinking mostly competitive yeah, games feed that same well because part of toxic masculinity is competition right like this notion of competition is i think really like bread not bread but like um drilled into uh people raised in toxic masculinity like it's it's what am i trying to say like it's the same thing as like sports culture 
where it's like my team's my team always has to be and nationalism. It's like my team always has to be better than your team. It reminds me of capitalism. Oh, it's definitely capitalistic in nature. Like it's it's my team has to be better than your team and my people have to beat your people and like I am going to be better than you at this thing which takes some amount of skill, I think mm-hmm. is a huge part of toxic masculinity. Like I think sports and competition are a huge part of toxic masculinity. Like little boys have to play sports to be real men in a way that like people socialized as little girls like don't have that same kind of pressure. There's a different kind of competition and like I have to be smarter than her or I have to be prettier than her or I have to be better than her. Like my success as a woman comes at the expense of other women I think is definitely something that is ingrained or is something that is taught. Um, well, isn't my success as a man comes from failure of other men? No, totally, yeah. Sure that's a big part of it. No, yeah, I think it's it's just different with women. I think it's it's more like um, it's it's a little more individualistic in terms of like I just have to be prettier than her. You know what I mean? It's more, it's, I think it's more like physical based rather than skill based. Like with young men, I think it's very much like I have to be better than him at the sport or I have to be stronger than him or I have to be faster than him. Um, I feel like that's oversimplifying because I think that well, men yeah. are also told to be fit a certain standard. No, 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 totally. Yeah. No, I'm also told to be like smarter than so-and-so or like prove that they're smarter or cooler than what they perceive to be a woman. No, I, I could completely you know agree. I, mean I know, that? yeah, I know that I'm oversimplifying. I just think there's something very specific about the way that sports culture is taught to young men. Oh, sure. And the but way then that how that translates to games, you know. Yeah, I think it's a very similar thing, though. Like especially in like, uh, you know, like shooting and war and guns are also a huge part. Like the 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 notion, like obviously not all young men are raised with this notion to be soldiers, but this whole like um, like lionization of the military, I think, is is a big part of toxic masculinity because it it. I'm not articulating this very well, but I think it's all part of the same thing. Like I think my team needs to be your team in sports culture, uh, and my team needs to be your team in war, and like my country is going to be better than your country, and like my company is going to be better than your company, and like I think that's all. Uh, expressed in a really simplified sense in like competitive online games because it gets to be my team is better than your team and it gets to be this uh, idealized notion of myself this like strong fast buff lots of guns version of myself gets to beat the idealized version of yourself and not necessarily like it's consciously idealized but like uh, video game characters are designed certain ways you know Like, I get to play the big, like, you never play or you rarely play in, like, mainstream AAA games as, like, a disabled person or a fat person or anything like that. Like, it's a usually a fit, able-bodied, athletic person that is the hero of these games. Um, And that, that in online shooting games is... I don't know it's just very similar to sports to me and I think a lot of sports culture is really really toxic I was just thinking about this partially because I saw one of our roommates playing um my one of my old copies of Call of Duty Black Ops which you know I haven't played in years but I used to have pretty avidly play Call of Duty on a regular basis um and something that I realized about Black Ops specifically is that a lot of the uh content is super fucked up stuff that America has done in wars. Uh-huh. Like one of the one of the actual wars that you play is the Vietnam War, which in which we committed a number of horrific war crimes 
and killed tons and tons of people, right? Like in civilians the fact that, too. Yes, in a, yeah. And the fact that somebody would want to reenact that and like experience that for themselves, like in the in the context of the safety of a game where they don't have to actually be put at any physical risk or anything like that, and they're just out there just like getting to pretend to shoot Vietnamese people, like that just that just really um I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I think it's all part of like like I don't think all online competitive games are inherently toxic. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that I, they, that's what I'm asking kind of. Is yeah. are all online games inherently toxic because I feel like all online games eventually get to a point where they're too toxic oh, no, to totally. engage yeah. anymore because I very distinctly remember being very young and playing Vanilla World of Warcraft when it first came out. And it was used to be a very friendly place. And there was not necessarily as much unfriendly competition. And then slowly as more people joined, the game became more and more toxic and masculine. The same thing happened to me with League of Legends. It, when it first came out, it was pretty like welcoming and average. And like nobody would yell at you for having a feminine username or like doing badly in a role. But then slowly as time went on, it got toxic. Um, same with Halo, mm-hmm. uh, and I imagine same with Destiny, um, which oh, I totally, know that you yeah. played some of, but mostly just played, with Wendy. Yeah, I just played um, a little bit with Wendy. Our and special I guest, Wendy. Didn't but have, I mean, I had voice chat enabled so that I could talk to Wendy, but sure. not, not Randos. I'm, I'm currently playing Ring of Elysium, right? And I'm playing it mainly with Aaron and Charles. Um, hi, Charles. But there are sometimes pe- other people that we play with online, and Charles and I, for the first time, ran into somebody who was, who was you know, being toxically masculine. Uh, And it was just so, um, I wouldn't even call it jarring, but I've been so separated from that world for so long that I was just considering, like, is this what will happen to every game? Probably, but I don't think it's the game's fault necessarily. Sometimes I think it is, right? Like, I think with, like, Call of Duty Black Ops and those games that are so, like, bro military culture um i think it is absolutely the game's fault because i think the call of duty franchise uh fetishizes and um reinforces the notion of the superiority of the american military and like i think that's a huge part specifically of american toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. uh is the superiority of uh is american nationalism and chauvinism the superiority of america and specifically the superiority of america through military force Mm -hmm. and the superiority of the american military like we're stronger than you like it's right uh, like Like, that thing that you're talking about yeah like the few the the proud the army or whatever like there's so much propaganda like you'll go to the movies not we go to the alamo draft house pretty exclusively now because it's comfy and bougie and we like that um, but when you go to like a regular movie theater, like I remember growing up, there were always, there was oh, always at least one ad for the military. We would have, we have had, um, we would have a member of the military recruiter come to our high school mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. And military recruiters would come to military. our school. Um, and specifically mostly targeting young boys still, oh, especially yeah. young boys who like aren't, you know going to be necessarily super successful in academia or sports, which are most of the ways that you get into college. And they say that they'll pay for your college Mm -hmm. afterwards. So like if you're not good at academia or sports and you still want to go to college, if you join the military, they'll... Or if you you are good at those things, but you can't afford to go to to college any other way, even through scholarship, you go through... To the military. Which I would argue is not something that I would ever shame somebody for, especially no. because the military actually 
used to be, this is probably not going to be the case moving forward, uh, one of the highest employers of trans people. One oh, of the yeah, that's... people that would employ yeah. trans people. I think it's definitely not the um, case. Probably will not continue to be the anymore. case. However, it, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, like, if every online game right. will be toxic because I, I enjoy shooters, and I don't fully understand what that says about me because I remember growing up and being fed that the propagandistic like propaganda-ish notion that um violent video games cause violence in right. children and people and i don't just been shown time and time again that they don't, they don't and i don't know if i necessarily agree or disagree with that because i think that it's more complex than just a binary yes it does or oh no, yeah it doesn't i think because it's i do yeah. feel more desensitized to violence as a result of the violence that i have imbibed in media I don't because I feel like it's very different. Like video I, game violence. I do agree. Like I would not call myself yeah. a desensitized person, but I would have called myself a desensitized person in when I was like a much younger person. I was on 4chan and Reddit all the time. Well, right? yeah, sure. That I think is that is a little different because 4chan and Reddit themselves are individual instances of incredibly toxic masculinity sure, sure, sure. and shock culture. Like, yeah, shock culture. Let's I look think at the worst images we can. But for me, it's a very different thing. Like, first of all, I like shooters because they're fun, right? Like, video games are should but be fun. what is fun about it? It's just, it's just skill. Like, it's a fun skill thing. Like, it's not that it's a gun. Like, I enjoy when I get to shoot a bow in whatever because, like, the aiming and whatever, like, it's a skill thing. You know what I mean? I enjoy mm-hmm. when I make a good throw in Pokemon Go. Like, it's it's the satisfaction of of aiming at a target and hitting. I enjoy archery in real life because it's really fun to shoot at a target and hit. Like, that's very satisfying to get a bullseye. And that, to me, it's a game, right? Like, it's just, it's fun to play a game. It's like when you're at a carnival and you get to throw a ball. It's you play beer pong and you throw a ball in a hole. Like, anything where you get to throw something at a small target and you get to hit is very satisfying for me because it's a skill. And that is satisfying somewhere in that skill notion of my brain of like, ah! Got it. Hit it. Um, but that is not the same thing to me. Like if I see images, like and I, if I, you know, shoot somebody in Borderlands and their head blows up because Borderlands is a cartoonishly violent game mm-hmm. uh, and I laugh because the ragdoll physics are very funny, that's very different than if I see an image of actual violence that happens to real people in real life. Like I think those sort of Brechtian layers of separation are, it's okay for this cartoonish violence to be funny and you can still intellectual as an adult you can still intellectualize and understand that actual violence is a very different thing i think i might be of the opinion that violence in video games is is like the mass amount of violence in video games is negative and in, in, in influences violence in daily life I don't think so. I think that is the case for children because... I don't know. I don't. I think it's for everyone partially because of the fact that I think that when you see... I don't know. I think part of the reason why uh, like smoking has been banned in Hollywood movies, right? Smoking cigarettes is because when you see people doing that, it looks cool or whatever, right? No, totally, yeah. Like it increases the amount of normal that that is. So I feel like... When you're playing violent video games with guns and with shooting guns, that increases the amount of normal it is to, like, have guns and use guns, which I don't necessarily – I don't want to say that that's a, a bad thing because a lot of my friends do own guns and do enjoy going to shooting ranges and stuff like that. And, you know, I feel iffy about that in general because I'm very scared of guns, but 
Well, just to finish my thought, because I was parked way through a sentence. I know. And then you spoke a whole sentence. You, you just uh, had been talking for like paragraphs, so I felt like I had to say something. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry. It's a podcast. We go back and forth. I know. Uh, I just don't, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for, for, I mean, the reason the video games rating system exists is obviously very complicated, but in terms of violence, I, I agree with it. It doesn't, obviously M rated games, that does nothing to keep games out of the hands. Oh of no, I've children. played tons of M rated games when I was yeah. like a teen. Well, especially because you can buy them online and there's no, yeah, there's it's, no it's, ID verification. Right. There. With, with the advent of online downloading, like it's absolutely laughable to have a games rating system. It's like when you go to a porn website and it just has you click a button that says I'm over 18. Most of the porn websites I go to don't even have that button anymore. Right. Well, most of the like the like Pornhub and stuff don't. No. Um, the paid ones still often. Or you go to like a, hold on, I'm about to sneeze. Because <laughs> you're tight. Thank you. Um, when you go to like a, a an alcohol brand's website and mm-hmm. they make you oh, put yeah, in yeah. your date of birth. Now, I've been going to a lot of those recently for my job and they kind of have stopped doing that. It totally depends on the it's company. True, it definitely Usually does. the like big corporate ones do. Had to have it because I feel like um, they're going to get more corporate oversight yeah. and whatever, but like it true brewing doesn't, you know, no. like local breweries aren't going to have it. No, most wineries also, don't. Yeah. They don't think kids are going to go order wine. Right, and also you can't order any of that on from those local breweries websites like most of the time it's just hey here's our hours and what beer we serve and when mm-hmm. we have food trucks um it's i think they usually have it if you can buy alcohol through the website but don't if you can't i think is is maybe what it is no because you can buy alcohol through a lot of these websites hmm. that i've been going on and they don't have any age verification yeah, i think it's also just like fucking whatever yeah um it also might partially be that my ad blocker blocks pop-ups, and sometimes mm, it's a pop-up. Maybe. Um, but I think, I mean, the argument is, and I tend to still believe this to a degree, that like adults have the cognitive ability to separate this is a video game from this is normal in real life. Like, I, let me, please let me finish. I know, I'm, I'm waiting. Um, whereas kids don't, right? Like, it's very dangerous to show a lot of normalization and like violent movies or whatever to kids because they aren't able to have the cognitive separation between this is a movie and it's not necessarily okay in real life. Um, and I think a lot of adults are sort of kept in this infantile space where they w- are willfully ignorant of that separation, but an emotionally intelligent adult like has the cognitive ability to be like, I enjoy the shooting video game. I would not shoot a human being in real life, obviously. And if a human being was shot anywhere, if I saw a real video or, like, a human being was shot anywhere near me in real life, I would freak the fuck out. Like, those are completely different things. Um, So I I think it... I don't know. I guess I don't know what I think in general, but, like, theoretically, it's most dangerous for young people. There is still, I don't think... I don't know that I I think that there's any convincing evidence that violent video games in any way cause violence. Um, I don't think it's a direct correlation. It's just when you think about um, representations of women in popular media, right? When you think of uh, advertisements for Victoria's Secret or fucking Hardee's and Carl's Jr., like the very sexy ladies uh-huh. eating the burgers, like that normalizes Mm -hmm. objectification of women's bodies because we see that in all of our media, right? And we see that in video games also. Horrific objectification of women's bodies. Totally. Um, 
and I feel like if we can accept that that normalizes and allows us to objectify women uh like as a society not maybe not necessarily as individuals but for a lot of individuals yeah because i will say that's something i still struggle with internalized sexism Mm -hmm. for sure i'm and i'm sure all of us like struggle with misogyny and sexism because it's been socialized into us i feel like it would be incorrect to say that once you reach adulthood, you are no longer uh, susceptible to socialization. No, I yeah, and I don't think that's what you were saying. Yeah. But I just want to say I think that would be um, wrong. And I I would argue that similarly, images of extreme violence or um, or like guns and shooting stuff in films and in video games does the exact same thing as representations of women in films and video games and television. Because I think that you can't. You can't say that one thing is true and the other one isn't true. No, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think it depends on the person, and I think it it's a little bit depends on the game and, like, the level of realism in the and game. And the way that they represent. And the way that the, they represent The it. consequences of violence. Right. Or, or yeah, it, it depends on the game and the level of realism and the consequences, like... Uh, like I think I personally think the Call of Duty franchise is fucking evil. Like sure. I think the 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 fetishization of real actual wars that have happened and you get to play as the good guy, which is the American military and like against largely people of color because oh, yeah. that's where we wage most of our wars um is is horrifying. Like like you were saying, like, Black Ops happens during the Vietnam War. Yeah, and a lot of other wars where you do super fucked up mm-hmm. stuff. The whole point is that it's Black Ops, so it's covert operations right. that would not be approved by the general public. It's and, why they're yeah. secret. So, Yeah, and there's ones, like, I remember a relatively recent one where it was taking place in um, Pakistan, and the they didn't even do enough research to, like, like, the signs in the streets were Arabic, which they don't speak in Pakistan. Like... They could have just Googled Pakistani language and put the correct language on the signs, but they didn't even do that. So, like, there's a clear level of of willful insensitivity and, like, willful propaganda and violence to me in the Call of Duty franchise. Yeah, I don't think anyone's arguing that the Call of Duty franchise is a positive uh, benefit to the But I think that's a little bit different than, like, Destiny, where your robot's fighting aliens, like... I think it's, well, and I guess that sort of subconsciously reinforces, like, the fear of the other. That's what I'm saying, because I feel like there is socialization, pardon me, microphone, in everything that we interact with and everything that we do, it reinforces some sort of narrative, Uh right? That's the academic school that I belong to on average. Um, So I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, I think that, ooh, I think that the competitive nature of online uh, shooters or, like, multiplayer games, right, does encourage competition, which does encourage toxic masculinity, partially also because those games are marketed primarily to men mm-hmm. who enact toxic masculinity, right? Totally, yeah. Um, like, shooting games are, I think, fun. Like, I think it is fun I also from think they're a fun. skill level. I'm talking level. about how I'm playing a shooting game right now, and I'm just curious about how my history with shooting games has affected my history with toxic masculinity yeah, as well what? as how it influences people as a whole. Now you, as a conscious adult who's done a lot of unlearning at toxic masculinity, I would not at all describe you as desensitized to violence. I would describe you... I am you, far from desensitized I would describe you as one of the people whom I know who is the most sensitive to I'm violence. I'm a very sensitive uh, person, but what I do... Incredibly sensitive. But, but what I also am aware of is that I 
am like very good at shooting games and get very competitive in relation to shooting games. Um, I don't get on the microphone and call people faggots or whatever because that's like what other folks do. But it's just I. I'm curious about the effect that that. I don't has think on competition me. is inherently toxic. I don't. I think competition can be healthy and fun, and I think competition is part of the human experience. Like, mm-hmm. I think playing a game with friends, like you get very competitive very rarely, because uh, you. I've noticed you get the most competitive when you are losing at a game. Yes, you're not competitive at all if you're winning. Well done. But if you start to lose, you start to get real sour really quickly. <laughs> you're a sore loser. Yeah. Um, like, I'm an only child. What do you expect? Right. I have become to the point in my life where I'm actually quite a good loser. Thanks very much. Um, sure. I mean, I get healthily frustrated, but I'm not actually <laughs> mad when you beat me in Mario Kart. It makes me more mad that you don't get competitive when we play Mario Kart. I'd feel better about it if you were like, yeah, motherfucker, I beat you. I think it makes, I think it's funnier for me not to get visibly mad. Well, and then it makes me more frustrated, which is even funnier still. So I think competition can be friendly and healthy. Like, that's why we have games as humans. Like, I think there's something in us that needs to compete. Like, it's a, it's an inherent survival thing, but I also think it's like, games are part of our condition. Like, we've always well, had yeah, games. yeah, like board long... games and well, like... Well, all games. Like, that's we've always what I'm had like, skill games listing. or something. Yeah, skill games are something that we've had, have existed mm-hmm. as long as Card we've been a species. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think at their best, like, that's what I'm saying is I don't think it's necessarily inherently the game's fault. I think it's just, it's partially like you were saying, like, who they're marketed to. Like, shooters are fun and should be marketed to everybody if they're going to exist, mm-hmm. um, but they're specifically marketed to toxic men. Sure. And I also think that they're, I forget what this phenomena is called, but it's when you um, get rewarded for like spending a certain amount of time in, in the game. Uh, gosh. I know what I, you're talking about. It's, it's, it's a specific like psychological phenomena that makes games addictive. Totally. And I'm just curious about... Um, there's some games that really prey on that. Oh, yeah. Like how that how that factors into that whole thing. Because I feel like mm, that sort of uh, addictive aspect and kind of encouraging spending more time alone isn't, isn't healthy either. Because I feel like a big symptom of toxic masculinity is loneliness and mm-hmm. isolation. Totally. I feel like a lot of... Um, young men who struggle with toxic masculinity either in the world around them or in themselves or both uh, experience extreme loneliness uh, right. because it toxic masculinity reinforces isolationist tendencies mm-hmm. as well as antisocial tendencies. Well, it privileges um, competition over connection. Well, it also uh, punishes men who emotionally connect with other men or anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, it calls them gay. Right. Um, so so men anti- are forced yeah. to like hold all of that inside of themselves which the antithetical sucks. to that is constant competition like when you see like big groups of bros like out like they're not nice to each other like no, they're, they're not they're supposedly friends but they're always like ribbing on each yeah, other yeah making jokes at the other's expense mm-hmm. or like fighting or whatever because that's the only way that they've been shown to express any sort of community is through 
Oh yeah, I remember being a young boy and like being with my other friends and like the whole point of hanging out was to see who could one up the other with like the best insult. Right. Or like it was it was like a constant vie for superiority mm-hmm. through demeaning right. others. Like you always have to have You always have to have somebody who is the butt of all the jokes. Mm-hmm. And you always have to have like arm wrestling competitions. Yeah, and, shit. and like competitions of strength as well yeah, as like as physical like ability. Pain tolerance. Pain tolerance is a big one, uh like tennis and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that was something I was very socialized into and I don't really know how. Um because I didn't really have a lot of male friends growing up, but somehow through my home life, maybe it was because I had an older brother. I was really so, uh, uh, conditioned into this, like, you have to be tough thing. Um, and it took me a long time. Like, a lot of my interaction with my friends until I was a much older person came from sort of constant ribbing. And I still mm-hmm. do it sometimes to Kai a lot. Um, and I'm sorry. That's fine. I mean, I... We well, it's other. not fine. Uh, I appreciate your apology. I... I'm able to deal with it better because the fact that I was socialized in that way and I know that that translates to friend, but I wish that that wasn't what translated to friend. No, you know I know. what I mean? And I think we're both very, we're, we both rib on each other a lot and we're very good at expressing genuine affection. You're better at it than me for I know. sure. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of a both and with us. We're like, I, I agree that, I think I, again. I think like healthy joking and ribbing is well. Part of part of part of healthy joking and ribbing amongst queer people is very similar to reading because mm-hmm. it's preparing ourselves and each other for going out into the real world where we won't be ribbed, but we will be verbally punished for mm-hmm. existing in the way that we do. So it's it's like training and preparation for that, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little bit different, I think. Totally, yeah. Then then like me telling one of my friends like making fun of one of my friends for being fat when we were kids or something right no like, it's a it's a very so different thing different. i think safety is a huge part of mm-hmm. it like like safe ribbing is part of camp i think sure i um, wouldn't call it ribbing i'd call it reading yeah okay yeah so in safe, a gay context that'd be reading yeah safe reading is part is part of camp mm-hmm. and i think safety and intent and like the spirit of it is very different because i think like well, like, sure, it's like if you were to do, like, if you were to take a riding crop to somebody just on the street out of nowhere, that's totally unacceptable. But were you to have a conversation of consent beforehand, right. then that's a totally different context. Totally, yeah. And it's it's knowing your friends well enough to know what isn't okay to joke mm-hmm. about, too. Like, you would never make a joke about me being fat. You would never do that to anybody. But no. Because you, because if I'm, you were inclined to do that to anybody, you would know that that is a huge trigger for me and that I have a huge amount of body image issues and yeah. so you would never do that and I also don't make jokes about uh marginalized groups that I'm not a part of right like I never make fun of your disability because it's not funny I only did that other night because you laughed first and then I laughed because you were laughing and you looked so sad and I, I wasn't just I thinking about the other night <laughs> I'm thinking about a lot of other things but that's fine I know I don't make jokes unless you make them first all right, yeah, and that's then, true. And then if you and make even them then, first, sometimes it hurts my feelings. And okay, and I can stop, but if you make them first, it tells me that this is a safe thing to joke about. Mm. Um, is the cue that I'm getting from you, like as that one character in Butterfly Soup says, I make gay jokes because I am a gay. No, joke. sure. So, so there are different kinds of like building each other up or like pushing each other down through insults mm-hmm. because I feel like reading it, but. I feel like a big part of online gaming culture is tearing other people down uh-huh, totally. to try to build yeah. yourself up. That's what because, I'm saying is that unhealthy competition. Well, when you're able to spot flaws in other people that uh, – or when when 
I'm just thinking of like League of Legends, right? What what will happen is there's the chat system where you can talk to your team and there are different roles that you have to fill. And if you are doing a bad job, then people will be like, you you're you're the reason why our team is losing mm-hmm. as well, opposed it's easier to, to blame someone else exactly than it's easier to blame somebody else and it's also easier to make yourself feel better about your own skills at League of Legends if you point out flaws in somebody right. else right even if you are also not that good at League of Legends mm-hmm. but at least you're not as bad as that guy yeah um, and and that just that almost feels inherent to games like that I think it's because more because I know that Riot yeah. Games who make League of Legends are struggling with accusations of extreme toxic masculinity oh, totally, and sexism yeah, yeah. in their company. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I think it's not always the game's fault. I think it can be the game's fault because I think a lot of those games are developed by toxic companies. Um, like obviously the company, I know I keep coming back to Call of Duty just because it's so culturally salient, but that game is developed by a really toxic development team that just keeps making shitty racist games. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but I think it can happen even to the best-intentioned games because of the culture. It's like the games are bred from the culture, but like the culture puts itself onto the games in a way that well, ruins yeah, them. Because it's not like it's when when you think about uh, the the news, right? And I know that that's a huge thing that we're talking about right now, but just bear with me, please, friends. Um, like when you're talking about the news reporting on uh, atrocities all the time, like all the news is bad and like dire and stuff like that, which sure. Yeah, definitely a lot of it is. Um, but you blame the news for that. I think it's more of a reciprocal relationship with society. And uh, it, it's not like that yeah. just started out of nowhere. Right, the you news know? is reporting what we want to hear. Yeah, and we want to hear what the news is reporting. Yeah, the news is reporting what's getting them ratings, and what's getting them ratings is disaster porn. And that just re-encourages itself mm-hmm. over and over again. So I, I think with with video games, it's it's kind of a cyclical thing because the boys' club wants to maintain its status as the boys' club. In order to have a club, you have to keep people out of the club. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the real gamers and fake gamers. Right. Like casual gamers and hardcore gamers, or else... Right, you have to have there. It's not the boys' club and everyone it's else. Not, it's not something that's like exclusive or relies mm-hmm. on any skill for them anymore. Then it's just kind of another thing. Right, and well, it's not it a also, unique marker community anymore. Right. Also, God forbid they actually have to be good at the game to be better at the game, and not just shout the most insults or be the most masculine. Yeah. It's like if it opens it up to everybody, then oh no, I actually have to be the best at this game uh, because it's widened the pool. I have to be better at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else in that group might be better, probably is better at the game than me. Um, oh, I had something else to say about that and about skill and about community. Oh, that's why I think like, like there are the, 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 the faintest whispers of change trying to be made in those things. Like when the Battlefield five team and everybody was like, Oh, you put girls in your game. I'm not going to buy your game. And the Battlefield five team was like, don't. Like, that mm-hmm. opened up a window of safety to, like, oh, I, as a woman, am more inclined to want to buy that game sure. because these people give a shit about me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's the beginnings of those waves hopefully happening. And, like, that's part of why I like Assassin's Creed Odyssey so much and I'm so invested in it is obviously we've talked about, like, how as a Greek person I feel very seen and heard and it's very, like, yes. good culturally. Um, so it makes me feel like they give a shit not only about me and my people and my culture, but about the cultures that they're representing because mm-hmm. they've done all this research. Like, it makes me feel like they give a shit. Um, and also, like, as a queer person, like, 
again, that thing that comes up at the beginning of Assassin's Creed games that's like, this was made by a wide variety of people of genders and what have you, uh, makes me feel like safe and included to play mm-hmm. that game. In an Odyssey, I'm so invested in the story because Cassandra is this like powerful, queer, human, like buff woman, human being uh, that I can so strongly empathize with. And that's why I like the first Tomb Raider game and stuff. And like we've talked about like, when you play Mass Effect as Femship, it becomes this story of like this triumphant woman mm-hmm. in this still very male-dominated galaxy. Yeah, um, that's why I don't think of Shepard as anyone but a woman. When people uh-huh. refer to Shepard using he, him, his pronouns, I'm like, who? Who? What? Not my Shepard. Not my Shepard. Not my Shepard. No. Men, male Shepard in my Mass Effect. No, thank you. So I feel like answering the question like, uh, are all massively multiplayer online multi mmo rpgs it's not just rpgs though mmos if all, are all mmos like naturally toxic i think that that's a more i don't think we can answer i don't it. think that that's yeah binary like yes or no yeah because i don't i think sometimes it's the game itself that is at fault and sometimes i think it's a combination of both yeah but average. sometimes i think the the fault starts with the game and sometimes I think a well-intentioned game goes awry because neck-bearded gamer bros get a hold of it. Or Trump-voting, swolled-out gamer, monster-drinking, swolled-out gamer bros get a hold of it. Uh, muscle-milk-drinking gamers? Yeah, muscle-milk and rum, power-milk, what do we call <laughs> power, it? Power-nog. Power-nog. Uh, drinking, drinking gamers. gamers get a hold of it. Um, so anyway, all this has been to say, don't put alcohol in muscle-milk. Don't put it anywhere. Well, that I don't agree with, but definitely don't put it in my... Well, don't drink muscle milk and don't put alcohol in it if you're going to. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That was sort of a heated discussion, but I think it's a lot of questions that aren't answerable that we both have very strong opinions on. Um, And I I think that's okay. Yeah, I wanted... uh, I felt like last episode, I brought a lot of research to the table and presented us with, like concrete facts that didn't necessarily open themselves up to discussion surrounding those facts you know and i feel like every once in a while it's nice to have an episode where we're like figuring out a facet of queer gaming or like Mm -hmm. stuff in gaming just by ourselves yeah it's just sort of all all opinion and experience based yeah oh i just kicked your foot well i kicked it again yeah well now we're just playing footsie i guess okay i guess um i that seems like enough of an episode to me um it, feels it like, is oh, i'm done yeah was, <laughs> goodbye um you can find us on the internet i can't imagine this feels good for your neck for me to kick your foot it feels pr- pretty nice actually oh, okay that last one. Oh, okay <laughs> um you can find us on the internet uh where can you find us on the internet you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at gay gamers g-a-y-g-a-m-e-r-z uh, tell us what you think about the, all these things. Are games good anymore? Hannah <laughs> thinks so. Kai doesn't. I think you're oversimplifying my statements. Uh, I don't think I've ever oversimplified anything in my whole entire life. I'm so tired. I've done nothing wrong ever in my life. Um, I know this, and I'm tired. <laughs> uh, are games toxically masculine, or, like, is it a, a sort of Ouroboros situation? Does it start with the game? It's sort of a chicken and egg uh, tell us what you think. Um, How you many also- metaphors can Hannah come up with? Yep. You can also email us at if it's gay, we play at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, once again, at gay gamers with a Z. 
Um, follow us on iTunes. You should like, rate, and subscribe. You should also download us because mm-hmm. download counts are part of how, or a large yes. part of how iTunes gets their like listening statistics. It will automatically download if you're subscribed and you regularly listen to the podcast. Uh-huh. So you don't need to do yeah. anything. I had downloads turned off on my old phone because I like didn't have any space in my old phone. So I'm trying to get back in the if habit you got the of space, downloading download us, episodes. Because uh, now I got a, a phone with a lot of memory, but my last phone didn't have any memory so download us uh go to spotify subscribe uh go to wherever you like to get podcasts google play fuck it i don't know yeah whatever you just live your life like rate subscribe download uh tell your friends uh we love it if you tell your friends just with your human mouth or whatever mouth you've got um text them you don't even have to talk to them if you don't want to email i don't know i don't know shout out your window AOL. at a stranger <laughs> yeah get on aol and uh MSN. oh did we talk about how i was fucking on mabimba no, since we, we last recorded hannah was on my brother my brother and me uh yeah um watch for the denver live show episode of my brother and brother and, and you'll me you're gonna get a special hannah cameo you're gonna get a special hannah cameo because i got fucking picked for an audience i knew question. she would i knew she would i so had proud. no idea um, that's maybe the gayest thing I've done this week, actually. Was that this week? Well, it was last week, but it was since we last recorded. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot that we hadn't, that that had happened since we last that's recorded. That's our, that's our end secret. That's our yeah, secret, you listen to this whole episode Santa. to find out that I was on my Bim Bam. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait until that, uh, episode comes out. Uh, yeah, I hope they release that live show. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, I gotta be gay. Keep playing it. No, other way around. Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) Keep playing, well, do those things too. Keep playing gay. Keep being games. Fuck shit up. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. I love you. you. Goodbye. Goodbye.